All right, here we go. Let's get this on. All right, hey everybody, it's Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. And as you can see, I'm not alone today. With me is Pistol Abbott. Um, we'll be getting to him pretty shortly here. Uh, wait for some people to pile in, uh, watch the obligatory ad <laughs> before the live stream, and then we'll get to Pistol. Uh, and what he does and why he's here. Anyway, um, Mob Guppy, hey, number one. Glad you made it. Michael Wilson, hey, good to see you, Michael. Sorted a small group of youngsters of Nemat, how do you say that? Nematobricon lacortier today. Right on. That's a cool fish. That's a cool fish. I'm glad Rosario Lacorte got some fish named after him. Um, Wichita, glad you made it. Small fry. Hey, Lumpy Dog, thanks for modding. <laughs> Except for apparently the mod is off. <laughs> no mods tonight, free for all. And Kaler, thanks for being here, Bob Kaler. Appreciate it. From Kaler's Aquatics to mod. Um, so we're going to do what we usually do, which is we'll talk for a bit and then we'll get to all the questions and comments. But it's going to be a little different because I have with me the one and only mustachioed Pistol Abbott. Say hi, Pistol. Hi, all. Um, hopefully everyone can hear and see us good. It looks like we're doing fine. We had to change some settings today to make this all work. So uh, you'll notice it looks slightly different. I don't have the chat up on the screen, but that's to give room for Pistol and I to both be in the frame without becoming uh, family. So, <laughs> um, so those of you, some of you that are regular might know that about a month ago, five, six weeks ago, maybe, um, Pistol came on board uh, to help with packing. We've been getting very busy, which is a great problem. It's getting to the point where I, I wasn't sleeping for a couple days at a time, prepping and packing and getting everything done. And so um, I, I've known Pistol for several years now, and I know he knows fish and, and cares about them. And uh, he's helped me in the past, actually, every now and then when things got super busy or once I had to like leave and come back and I was in a big hurry. I think I had to take a trip and he stepped in and helped out, things like that. So um, we brought him on board. So without further ado, I'm going to let Pistol tell us a little bit about who he is and his interests in the aquarium field, which are a little different than mine. It's not all fresh and not all tanks. He does some aquaponics stuff. Briefly talk about that and then uh, we'll talk about what you do at Dance Fish. All right. I don't even know where to start. I've been working on aquariums since about 1985 and uh, a neighbor asked me to take care of the aquarium while they were on vacation and an idea hit me to start taking care of other aquariums for people on a regular basis. Um, still have just a handful of tanks that I take care of around town plus uh, what do I have a 58 gallon oceanic um, fresh water running aquaponics in the house, plus a 90 gallon saltwater reef, and then a 600 gallon aquaponics that some of you may have seen. Yeah, we did a video uh, of Pistol's outdoor greenhouse aquaponics system, which is getting an upgrade. Yeah, now I'm going from the 120 square foot uh, rectangle to a 25 by 25, almost 500 square feet geodesic dome. 
<laughs> like the Look Epcot Center it. in his yard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to make a video of that as it comes along and show show that to all you. He's he's agreed. The bones are up. That's <laughs> yeah. all I've got right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's about it. I've done anything I can to help keep the hobby going here locally. Um, even giving tanks and parts away anytime I can so that uh, somebody will stay interested in the hobby. Um, there was a duration where we had no local fish store whatsoever. Um, finally, Petco moved in, but that's <laughs> about all we've got locally. Uh, this is the place to buy your good fish. <laughs> and um, so I know nothing about salt. But that's another thing Pistol does is salt and corals and all that stuff. Um, so freshwater, saltwater, aquaponics. It's been doing it for a while. And you even worked in water at some big right. companies, right? Like yeah, actually managing water. Some, uh, I guess the title would be like operator. But I helped build a lot of ion exchange systems, both uh, in large scale like 9,000 gallon per minute treatment mm -hmm. systems. And we also tried some pilots to get ion exchange down to a very slow rate, like 25, maybe even as low as 15 gallons per minute. It was kind of a waste of money, mm -hmm. but uh, it can be done. It's just such a fast reaction. It's kind of a waste of time to try to neck it down that hard. Um, that was actually where I got introduced to the current company that I work for, um, when they did water treatment, mm -hmm. yeah, they don't do water anymore on the facilities mechanic, but um, definitely had my uh, got my feet wet. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, with reverse osmosis on a commercial basis, large, high volume commercial reverse osmosis and ion exchange systems for probably almost a decade. Um, so that's really helpful when you're me. trying to keep fish, right? Knowing yeah, absolutely. water and all the properties and how to manipulate them and stuff, especially when you get into corals. Yeah. All that stuff that'll probably, I don't know, never say never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to be as spoiled as we are with our fresh water here. Yeah. Our tap water. It makes it easy we to We have keep some filters. of the purest water in the nation, I mm -hmm. think. And that's one reason... Uh, that I love living here is I don't have all those problems I had in Los Angeles or other places I've lived where just to get the water into your tank, you had to do all kinds of stuff to it because mm -hmm. it's so full of junk yeah. uh, that <laughs> it just smelled coming out of the tap. It was bad. So yeah, we're real spoiled here. Um, we have a different microphone kind of configuration. Can you guys tell us if you can hear us both okay do we need to speak up? How are we doing? Um, anyone in chat, if, if you can't hear, if volume's low, let us know, and we'll we'll make some adjustments. So I want to talk about uh, Pistol and what he does for Dan's Fish. So do you want to uh, kind of tell him what you do and what our process is uh, for getting this all done? I mean, someday we'll have to do, you had the suggestion of doing a, uh, a video and like time-lapsing it to show the whole process, uh, but... Can you just maybe explain to folks, because it's different than probably anywhere else, mm -hmm. uh, what our process is and how you fit into that. All right, so... Can you all hear them okay? Audio good. Okay, good. Audio good. Very good. So I guess 
preparatory measures, Dan usually gets the fish bagged up and lets them rest. So if they void it all or want to vent in the bag, then we take care of that. Um, and they so do. They do. They always <laughs> have got to clean out a little bit and waiting for me to get there. So Dan will do a, a fresh water exchange on each bag and make sure that the fish are nice and clear and ready to go. He hands them over to me, stacked up in big long rows, and I use the sealer to close off just the right amount of air in a bag. I use the remnant of the longer bag to create a double bag so that we're double sealed under pressure. Um, and I do a brief inspection on each bag before I seal that way if mostly if the live bears vent again. Guppies then, are the worst, man. Yeah, guppies, are, guppies the worst. are the worst. So they'll get another water exchange <laughs> even before they finally get Sometimes three off. or four. Yeah. Like it's, guppies are probably the worst. What are the next? Uh, your platies probably come platies, in real close. sword tails. Yeah, sword tails. Um, any kind of omnivore that, like barbs are pretty bad too, some of them. But yeah, guppies, man, I swear. You can think that they're ready to go, seal them up, and it's like, they weren't ready to go. Yeah. Let's open that bag up. <laughs> Change that water. <laughs> it's it's He's constantly handing me guppies back being like, nope, they weren't ready. I'm like, man, I thought they were ready. <laughs> I thought they were ready to ship. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we've had a pretty good run. So last month, I think of all the, the fish we sent, there's – one DOA that I know of from all those fish. So that's not bad. That's a small portion of 1%. I don't even know what it is, like 0.3% of all the fish we send or something. Um, this month, it's been a little trickier with the weather warming up and do you heat pack, not heat pack, all that, but it's still pretty good. Um, I think that so far this month, and we've only got one more shipping day left in the month, and that'll be Tuesday for anyone ordering fish because. Uh, yeah, Monday's a holiday in the post office. I don't think it'll be open. Um, but we've had three DOAs and one, no, two DOAs and two that arrived in such, you know, bad condition, they passed away shortly after. So, mm -hmm. but still that's out of many hundreds of fish. And so uh, I think the method is is working pretty well. And, and I'm glad to have help <laughs> because those can be super long days. So anyway, that's what Pistol does. That's why he's, here um, to kind of introduce himself and tell you about what he's got going on. In a moment, uh, in fact, right now, I'm going to start scrolling up and we'll get to your questions. So there's questions that Pistol can answer that I don't know about. If you have any questions about an aquaponics system or kind of building a pond, maintaining ponds, he's got a koi pond as well. Um, that's stuff I don't know much about. Um, anything to do with saltwater, fish or inverts, not stuff I know much about, but Pistol knows about, um, or just water chemistry things. Uh, if you're having trouble getting your water where you want it, or you've got fluctuations you're worried about, stuff like that, this would be a good live stream to ask those questions on, because those are areas that aren't, I'm not as strong in, but Pistol is, is much stronger than me, and so we could get you some answers. Um, anyone that has a question or comment that they want us to respond to, if you would make it at Dan's Fish so it highlights for us, then we'll see it 
and we'll respond to it and, and get to you. Since there's two of us, we'll also be able to kind of look a little more while one's talking and see if there's anything we missed. Um, but if we're not responding to your question or comment, it's probably meaning that it's not highlighting for us. If you ask a couple times and you don't get a response, please bring it to a mod's attention and the mod will let us know and then we'll get to you. So without further ado, let's go look for some of these. Um, Wait, small fry aquatics. I think this is in response to places. Doing my best, but I've got to move the piano across the stage. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, mostly just people saying hi. Hi, everybody. Bob Kaler, didn't you do a video on his fish recently? Yeah, I did a very, uh, very small portion of what Pistol has going on, just his aquaponics system, which is now getting enlarged, which the is awesome. One. Yeah, the outdoor yeah. one. Yeah, I haven't shown the indoor one yet. We'll have to it's get in to a lot that. better shape than it was then. Oh, we yeah. show it off now. <laughs> it comes and goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kaylee's Aquatics for Pistol. What do you keep in your 90-gallon salt water? Good question. Oh, man. So a wide variety of corals. I've got a pretty good selection of soft corals and large stony polyp. Uh, currently, no small stony polyp type corals, it's not so easy to balance them in with everything else when you're trying to get good growth out of um, softies and, and LPS. You're better off not mixing the three. Um, I also just keep a scant crew of fish in there. I've got a flame angel and a four-stripe damsel, uh, devil fish. And is it uh, vicious? Oh, yeah, they're <laughs> damsels in general, usually are. And I, uh, they're the Mabuna of the uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the reef, <laughs> uh, you know, the size of a 50 cent piece at best, and they'll take on sharks. Ah. So, uh, what else? There's a um, uh, hawkfish, I can't remember exactly what variety. He's he's probably my most favorite fish out of the bunch. Um, just because the way they flit around and land on stuff and they always come up in your face when you're trying to look in the tank. They'll land in front of you so you can't view anything. Um, what else? There's a, a surgeon fish in there as well, one little tang. The corals, they have a wide variety of euphelia, LPS, and um, some Blue Ridge, which nobody has seen around here in a long time. Kind of nice to have a little crop of that going. A few chalices. And um, I have a green nephthia that I got from from uh, Central Wyoming Aquatics and Hobbies. We waited for almost two years for it to actually throw off a branch. And I finally got it. It's six, eight inches tall. Pretty happy with that. And uh, one one particular vicious coral don't know why it must be the the uh anxiety of being on screen i can't remember what it is i i call it my my uh, man killer it'll probably come to me two in the morning because some other time it, it it's gotta, just it's got to be isolated it's the size of a softball now mm -hmm. and uh it throws out eight inch long stingers that just kill oh. anything in its path. oh so it's got this nice round yeah it's like almost desert around it where nothing yeah. can grow <laughs> yeah there's a few softies a few mushrooms that'll tolerate it and that's about it i am um, when i was in grand rapids i met a fellow who actually had been uh 
harmed by his quarrel. Um, mm-hmm. It was he was wearing the the gloves and the goggles and everything to work on him, but the toxin became aerosol and he oh, breathed yeah. it and he mm-hmm. had a reaction and he's he actually started going blind. Yeah, and they're trying to reverse that. That I've freaked that me out. out. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, some supposedly the... a very small percentage of people that are allergic in the way. That, oh, that okay. that's the reaction is what he said. But. There's certain types of polyps that have more of mm-hmm. that type of toxin than others. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a, a brown pally, just a really ugly, not something you'd want to keep around, that even scraping it off the glass, when it grows on the glass, you'll end up kind of feeling sick. Oh, so. yeah. Huh. Makes me want to keep coral. <laughs> There's a reason I'm a freshwater guy. That was a galaxia I was trying to remember. <laughs> the galaxia coral is my man killer. It's It kills uh, anything around it. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. Um, small fry aquatics pistol in the pleco, in the pleco and quarry world. Ro gets a lot of talk. I'm not a fan of magic water, but I'm missing something. Thoughts? What do you think of Ro? Um, Ro is nice because you have a basically a blank slate. So if you're going for a specific water quality, um, even something as simple as a store purchase called Ro Right to get an exact pH with an exact buffer. Um, it's nice to work with for top offs. It's the best because there's nothing in it besides, uh, I recommend the RODI, the DI, the, uh, ion exchange balances your cations and anions back out straight RO isn't really quite as good. Um, you run it out of your RO through the, uh, DI and it's, good to go for top offs. It's basically 99.9% pure water. So you don't get the heavy water effects if you're not just doing water exchanges on a daily basis or very frequently. Um, like my saltwater tank actually has a an optic eye that watches the water level in my sump and any evaporation, it actually tops it back off with a tiny bit of water at a time so that it keeps that exact level of salinity. It is that top off RODI? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. It's always RODI. I just have a reservoir there that I fill and it pumps it out whenever it needs it. So you're talking about top off. So if water mm-hmm. is evaporated, then you put that in because then you aren't adding any uh, anything but water. Anything but so water. So you aren't gradually concentrating Correct. hard, heavy metals and yep. minerals in the water. Yep, uh-huh. the heavy water issue. What about for not top off? What about for just keeping fish in general? For, you know, a person can blend it with with your um, dechlorinated tap water to get a slightly softer effect. Um, I'm not familiar with using RO for the quarry cat world or or the plecos. I know if you're looking for a, if you have a softer water target that you're going for, it's certainly going to do the trick. Just straight RO or RODI is acidic because water air is on acidic if mm-hmm. it's pure. And uh, even it's going to absorb some carbon from the Oh, atmosphere yeah, it'll absorb anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's the nice thing about water. It likes to gorge itself on anything it can get it in contact mm-hmm. with. But I'm not 100% sure what, what would be specific parameters that the quarry cats are the um plecos would like from a low ph 
no KH, no magnesium, no nothing water. What is, um, so what's, just as a segue, what's our water naturally kind of out of the tap in Sheridan? In Sheridan, we usually run about a 7.4. So it's 6.8 pH to 8.2, 8.1 is usually considered pretty pH neutral. And ours is right smack dab in the middle. Very You're talking large scale, like industry, like when you say that's pretty neutral, not necessarily fish keeping, because we'd think of 8.2 as pretty hard. That it's is alkaline, that right? is getting up there pretty alkaline yeah, yeah. Uh, into the bases. But so you're thinking like industry, we're like... Yeah, for for common tap water parameters, mm-hmm. um, ours oh, gotcha. is right smack dab in gotcha. the middle. Gotcha, for what they're um, going for. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and our TDS averages about 34. So what about our carbon and hardness? Carbon and hardness, I don't remember anymore. It's probably been close to 20 yeah. years since I've seen it. It's not very high. Super soft. Yeah, though. if you yeah. get, if you're doing a, um, like a DKH test, you might get uh, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think the last time I tested it was two grains yeah. DKH, which is German degrees hardness, which is very, very, very soft. Yeah doesn't even really register on a normal test strip yeah. when I test for carbon hardness. Yeah. yeah. And if you have an inaccurate test kit or a cheap uh, liquid. Oh, it's as cheap as it can be. It's a test. It's a Tetra test strip. It's yeah. as cheap as it gets, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, let's see. I think we got another one here. So this is not highlighting, but I'm seeing it from Kent's fish. Okay. Maybe a dumb question. But how does the water company, maybe, clean the water and keep it the same pH or better? Well, it actually, they're only concerned about what it is in the pipe. Mm-hmm. Once it leaves the pipe and gets in your tank, it'll fluctuate. But I'll let you talk about that. Well, we, our water supply is a series of lakes in the mountains up above us. It's refilled. Snow runoff. Yeah, by yeah. snow runoff, which makes it pretty uh, soft anyway. And... Uh, they do a particulate cleansing, and then it's basically just chlorinated here. They don't have to do much to it. It's very easy. Um, they just took out fluoride. They did. They pulled fluoride. Yeah. Very excited about that. There was risk of, or you know, talk of risks to reproductive harm in fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of issues revolving around can't be good constant for contact no yeah. it's really not constant contact with with fluoride isn't a good yeah so deal. our water's so pure really it doesn't have like even fluoride in it i mean used to they just took it out so yeah now we're getting fluoride toothpaste but yeah <laughs> um so if you want more on that kent let us know but it's different every municipality is different um in LA, they put a lot more than chlorine in it. It's chloramine and lots of other stuff. It's bad stuff, what, too. Yeah, it never leaves. <laughs> I mean, it does eventually. But, but what they're trying to do is make it so that it's not acidic. So if your water's naturally really kind of soft and acidic, um, the water company wants to make that alkaline until it leaves their pipe system because the acid in the water will gradually eat away it, the uh, the infrastructure of their system. So um, they will add buffers and things to it like that in a lot of areas that need it. But most of the United States has pretty hard alkaline water as far as fish keeping is concerned. Um, 
All right. Fish Tank Barn saying, hey, hey, good to see you. Paleotoxin is really nasty stuff. Yeah, I mean, it really affected this gentleman I was telling you about for sure. Cheshire Cat. Oh, there was, I'll get to you, Cheshire. I saw something here. It didn't highlight. Oh, there it is. Medina Cichlids. Pistol, keeping coral frags is tough. Tried a few times, but very sensitive to water parameters. Yeah, that's one reason it's so nice to start with our water here in Sheridan. We're lucky. Seems to be going great. And then overnight, they shrivel up and die. Went back to a freshwater what does that mean? F fish only with live rock. Only live rock. Fish only with live rock tank. Okay, I'm not a salty, so I thought that was fresh, but to no, to no inverts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have some inverts depending on what fish you're Oh, okay, on. yeah. Bristle yeah. worms, congrats. No. <laughs> and clean up crew if, you're, if your fish don't eat them all, you know. <laughs> the... Uh, a lot of times with fragging, you'll grow them back out in the same tag because they came out of or even set them back on the sand so that they're not getting as extreme of a light exposure mm -hmm. as the coral that are up on the rocks. Yeah, sometimes fragging is kind of picky. Um, recently, we uh, I was invited up to the high school to frag a number of my corals with um, some of the students up there, mm -hmm. and that went really well. The tank had been basically ghost-fed, nothing growing in it whatsoever just proper light cycle after it broke in right and um we fragged corals right there out of my buckets and put them in the tanks and didn't have any problems but we mostly only did uh large polyp stonies and the softies so and stuff that i knew was going to be particularly resilient yeah you don't want the kids first experience to be like Everything just melts. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to this staghorn? It's all white. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Now you can put it on your dresser. Yeah. <laughs> we have an awesome high school here. Um, the high school biology teacher is way into fish, and he has, I don't know, a dozen tanks in the classroom. Oh, no. Um, no, like 35 35? Okay. Yeah, okay. There's tanks everywhere you look. I've, been, I've only been there twice, I think. It's been a while, but... Um, yeah, and the students take care of the tanks and it's, it's incorporated in the curriculum and I love it. Not just cause of that, cause they also buy fish from me. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool when you have a community that has that, um, and kind of gets kids interested as they, as they come up. That's, that's awesome. Um, the college used to have an aquaponics program, but I think that's gone by the wayside. Hopefully they'll start that up again someday. Who knows? Who knows? Um, all right, next one. Cheshire Cat, back to you. Sorry, Cheshire. I remember my question now. Oh, and it jumped on me. There it is. I saw rosy red minnows at PetSmart and later did research. They sound interesting, especially breeding behavior. Do you have any experience with them? Yes, but it was long ago in a galaxy far away. Um, Basically, is that the fathead minnow? Uh, I think, I can't remember. I think it might be a fathead or a sheep's head minnow. Uh, it's, head sounds right. It's, uh, yeah, just a mutant. So it's that rosy color. Mm -hmm. And I cannot remember, honestly, if they just uh, scatter their eggs over gravel or if they actually uh, defend a little area <laughs> and spawn that way. Do you have experience spawning them? No, them? I don't. Um, they're... Yeah. When they were still available to buy in Wyoming, they were sold as feeders like uh -huh. crazy, but yeah. they don't allow them anymore. Our local 
uh, Petco actually got some in a while back. I didn't know they were illegal in Wyoming. They are now. Oh, for some, I, I don't know why, but they, <laughs> I'm glad um, I never got it. They saw me coming into to uh, uh-huh. Petco and said, "Hey, you want a bunch of these?" I took them home and fed them to uh, whatever they, I call they had that to get rid catfish of, in the sump. Yeah, the, the man eater. <laughs> yeah, they had to get rid of them stat. Huh? Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that, but Cheshire cat there. Um, I know they're very easy to keep in, in breed. I've kept them before. Um, I don't remember if I've spawned and raised them cause this would have been a long time ago. I'm sorry. I don't have a lot with you there. I know cooler water's better, even though they might live at higher temperatures, they're not going to enjoy it nearly as much, but that's Nanfa. Um, here, let me show you this Cheshire cat. This is where to go. Um, Nanfa is the North American native fish association uh this is the place to go for information on native fish uh these people know stuff they have a lot of resources here um they do a i believe i can't remember how often it's published every other month or once a quarter they do a publication called currents it's the best publication on native fish uh, because it's from a a mix of interests, both aquarists, people that just want to keep and breed fish in captivity, um, but also like ecologists and things. So you'll get a deep knowledge of these fish. And there's a bunch of members that just like the American Killifish Association or the American Live Bear Association or anything like that, if you have questions, they will geek out on you and tell you so much information (laughs) and you'll probably love it. (laughs) <laughs> so um that's what i'd suggest check with nanfa and i wish i could tell you more but it would be it's been so long honestly i i did natives uh it was probably uh, 15 a dozen years ago i got really into natives and kept and bred lots of them and it's been a while though so i only remember the details on a few of them i don't want to lead you astray what was that otter creek 34 laughing my you know what off my TDS is 450. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it's funny. Uh, I used to have super hard water. My TDS was like nine something or higher. Um, and I was always like, man, I want soft water. Now I have soft water. I'm like, geez, it's a struggle to acclimate guppies. Yeah. <laughs> you can go right outside of town where wells are drilled into the coal f- coal beds yeah. and get, you know, 3000 TDS real easy. Yeah. But you can light Some, that water on fire. Yeah. Yeah. You can. <laughs> it's, it's uh, sometimes as high as like 40,000 TDS. Yeah. They're pretty wicked. Yeah. It's just leaching chemicals. Yeah. So the surface water here is really clean, but you start drilling. We're on a massive coal seam, basically that you said it runs from here to Texas, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. From Texas so. to the North slopes. So a well here this would the be powder river basin. Yeah. A well would be a problem. Small fry aquatics. Just to beat this RO Pleco Cory question some more. Cool. We we love it. The more frequent the most frequent thing I hear is low pH to harden eggs and low TDS to keep out bad particulates. I think they misunderstand TDS. Yeah, so anytime someone's not okay, I don't want to generalize. <laughs> mm-hmm. The problem with TDS is it is a generalization. Mm-hmm. TDS is telling you what's in your water that isn't water basically almost dissolved solids yeah anything that's dissolved in the water that isn't water pretty much is going to be measured by tds Mm -hmm. the issue with breeding fish is usually specific it's usually carbonate hardness 
Um, from what I understand, and I've dug deep into this many times, so carbon hardness is suspected, and um, I'd have to dig back into some of the scientific stuff. I can't remember if it was ever proven in an article or not, but in a scientific like study that an article was written about or not, but it's suspected to, A, um, make the gametes in certain fish that really come from acidic black water soft water environments, perhaps the gametes don't function properly. Um, and sometimes they suspect even the reproductive organs themselves can be uh, affected negatively by the carbonate hardness. And then the other thought is that just the, the egg being fertilized, um, and as you say, hardening, uh, perhaps once it's been fertilized, can be an issue with with carbonate hardness. I don't know exactly what it is, but there are some species that just anecdotally, if you took a spawn and put half of it in really soft water, not even acidic necessarily, soft water and half in hard water, um, you would notice that the soft water batch would hatch much better. You'd get a much higher hatch rate. And so I can see that with a lot of the quarries and a lot of the plecos. I do feel though that we sometimes beat that drum unnecessarily. I do know a lot of people that do breed a lot of fish in hard water. They might not get as hard, as high a yield. They might have to use something to prevent fungus in the eggs more, but a lot of species it can be done. Now that being said, um, there's a lot of species where soft water definitely helps. So, and we have to be careful with quarries and plecos though, because there are many plecos and quarries that come from not black water environments. They come from environments where uh, the hardness is higher and uh, the pH is higher. Um, I think the Jingo River itself, if I remember right, is a white water river, not a black water river. So um, mile high, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, the LO46, the zebra pleco, that's from the Jingu, as far as I know. And I don't think that's an acidic black water river. So I think generalizing is is difficult but yes if you're not having luck breeding a fish in in your normal water then cutting it with rodi or rainwater or something can definitely try that and if that doesn't work um i just did a video i know you saw it for those who didn't see i just released a video yesterday um of a fish room tour an interview with chase kleinstecker who is a Grandmaster breeder. Um, he's been called that by many fish clubs and by the Federation of American Aquarium Societies. The guy's bred many, many fish. And that's what he does. If it doesn't breed in his tap water, he tries a cut of RODI or rainwater is what he uses in his tap water. If that doesn't work, then he goes pure rainwater. Um, and you just have to feel the species out. But small fry, you are right. There are species. Um, and I think Cardinal tetras is the one that's been studied a lot because fish farms were trying to figure out how to breed those in mass quantities. And one of the things that they found was they needed soft water. So, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? No. Okay. No, I'm absorbing right now. <laughs> um, cichlids 23, do you sell any Burchardi cichlids? So that Neolamprologus Burchardi um, at Dan's Fish. Um, well, I know you don't. I don't, um, but let's see if someone on Get Gills has them. 
I believe I saw them. So let's go to get gills. And by the way, I want to show everyone this. This is awesome. Cunningham Cichlids has joined the team. Check these out. If you're a cichlid file, um, a lot of Malawi stuff here has been posted by Cunningham Cichlids, nice. which is uh, someone who has a longstanding name in this hobby. And um, I've never bought fish from Cunningham Cichlids, but uh, the reputation is makes me comfortable. I would. I, if I was into Malawi Cichlids, I would actually purchase these fish. But anyway, let's look at Brashardi. I do believe that uh, I saw some. Big fat goose egg. Okay, let me try searching another way. Let's see if we see any here. They might have sold out. Um, okay, nope, not at this time, I'm sorry. If anyone has any Brashardi for sale, post them up. <laughs> Looks like Cichlids 23 needs some. Um, I personally don't breed any uh, rift lake cichlids just because my water parameters are the opposite of what they want. Yep. And I do want to do that. One day I'll have my dream warehouse where I'll have half of the system will be hard water and half will be soft and I can do all that. But until then, I have got them in occasionally as contaminants and orders and they did fine. But but I'm not purposely doing it just because uh, it's so different from what they they really want. Dr. S. Experimentus, yo it, Dan's Fish. Well, yo it, Dr. S. Experimentus. Can I have his mustache and beard? It's legendary. Well, you can have almost anything for a certain <laughs> price. A price. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's a, a price at which Pistol would be like, here you go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wax it to preserve the form, no. then shave it off and send it to you. <laughs> I know, the, and this is nothing. Pistol used to have a mustache that oh, it was like Yosemite Sam came out as far as my ears before it even started to yeah. curl. It was it was like an audio augmentation device. <laughs> it funneled all the sound into his ears. <laughs> Big Buck, have you done any videos on importing fish? How do you get info on importing fish and who to import from? Okay. I can talk about this in detail. So Big Buck, I, I've done lots of videos where you learn uh, bits and pieces of that. I've never done a video where like, here's the whole thing. That would be a massive video. It is something that I might do someday. Um, okay, where to start? It's a big topic. And um, I think the first place to start is I would say there's a difference between importing fish and transshipping fish. Importing means you have a license, you're taking the legal risk, you have to get things cleared through customs and through fish and wildlife, and um, you're, you're in charge of the whole enchilada. You're setting everything up, you're getting the permits and all that. That's importing fish to me. Transshipping is when there's someone else, a middleman, like some wholesalers will do this, or some just transshippers, where they will be the ones to... Here's what usually happens. There's a massive transshipper. Um, there's a few of them. One is Dolphin International, and there's some others that bring in the majority of fish into the industry. So they will purchase from exporters from different countries all around the world. And there's many, many of them. 
And so they will order from lots of places around the world and bring them all into one central location in the United States. Actually, a couple. It's usually Florida or California. There are some other places too. Okay. So that's, that's a transshipper because what they do is they bring in the fish and transshipping means basically that you're not keeping the fish, you're just passing them on. So the fish will come in from the importers. The transshipper will then take that bag of fish, probably change the water in it, um, sort the fish into, cause they're probably getting massive, massive amounts, sort them into lots of couple 300, however many they sell the, their batches as, rebag them in those lot numbers, and then send those out to wholesalers. Now, there are a lot of smaller transshippers though, that, and if you go on like any international beta sale on Aquabid, um, usually they'll have a list of the transshippers because they can't get the fish to you without a transshipper usually. So if you're wondering who in the United States transships, go check them out. But Julie Tran is one, she's out of California. The one I've used and can recommend because she's done great job for me is Linda Olson. Linda Olson is in Denver. So I think usually when people talk about importing fish, what they're actually talking about technically is transshipping fish. It's, it's very rare that someone would import on their own because they'd have to buy thousands and thousands of fish at a time, get all the permits, go through all that stuff. So I'm going to assume we're talking about bringing fish in the United States, not necessarily on your own license or in your own massive facility. Because if you're doing that, I, I think you'd already know the answers to these questions is what I'm assuming. So what I would do is call up Julie Tran or Linda Olson, or uh, there's some other folks too. Uh, Linda's the only one of kind of the smaller transshippers that I've worked with regularly. So she's the one I know the best. Um, and say, hey, these are the fish I'm interested in. Do you have, do you have access to these? Can I buy them through you? And so what that'll be is that's like, that's like, a, that's like bringing in your own fish, but, but you don't have the headache. Basically you pay for them. The transshipper brings them in, rebags them and, and sends them to you. What a wholesaler does, and there are wholesalers that also transship, but generally what a wholesaler does is different. A wholesaler buys usually from a transshipper. Some wholesalers will import on their own license as well, but often it's through one of these major, uh, major companies like Dolphin and a couple others. Um, and the wholesaler will buy from them in smaller lots than the, than the transshipper brings in. And then there'll be a pause there. The wholesaler will put them in tanks and then sell them in smaller lots to retail stores. So, in, so that allows a retail store to buy like a dozen of something instead of 500. Um, so I'm guessing that's what we're talking about. So my advice would be uh, contact a transshipper. And if you can't find one, go on like the international, go to Aquabid, look at the bettas. Anyone that ships worldwide from Thailand usually has a list of uh, transshippers in the auction for any specific betta they sell. And after you look at a few of those, you'll find the list of transshippers. You can contact them and see if they have access to the fish you're interested in. It's much easier to do it that way. Um, Big buck, if I'm wrong and you want to, information on something else, let me know. Um, or if you have a follow-up question, I'm happy to talk about it. But that's, that's what I would say is the best way to do that. And again, Linda Olson, I can personally recommend because 
when I was a little smaller before I did things in the volume I'm doing now when I had my old fish room, I used her frequently. Uh, you still sometimes, you'll have to buy in bigger batches than, than you could if you were, you'll have to buy in some quantity. But she's going to combine your order with other people's orders uh, so you don't have to buy like the whole, the whole massive quantity at once, which is a lot easier. Chewy LTD, carbonate hardness has been proven to egg hardening, to eggs hardening, as well as some fish like cardinal tetras that affects their reproductive organs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cardinals is the case study I know the most about just because uh, it was really prevalent when the, the fish farms in Florida were trying to figure out how to crack this code because they really wanted to breed that fish because it was a moneymaker. still is. It's a great fish. Cheshire cat. Their breeding seems rather cichlidish. Okay, without the cichlid. That appeals to me. Sounds like I'll need to hit them with meds, though, due to how they're kept in stores. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost any fish that you buy from a store is... So here's the other part of that thing I was talking about. So you've got the collector or the fish farmer who's usually in another country raising or collecting the fish. Then they pack them up and send them to someone who amalgamates their stuff in their country where they sit for a while. And they might go to one more stop, one more person in that country before they finally are exported to the United States. When they get to the United States, they're going through usually a transshipper, <clears throat> then to a wholesaler, then to a retailer, then to you. And almost never along that way are they ever allowed to recover their bag to bag to bag to tank yeah. to bag to tank and it's in it's just like if you travel and you've got four layovers versus a direct flight <laughs> yeah. fish don't get a direct flight in this industry they're going layover to layover to layover and so to get from california to new york instead of it being i don't know four or six hours whatever it is it's three days. It's that kind of stress they're going through. You know how you feel if you go through travel like that? Imagine that. Um, being put in different water conditions um, when they go from bag to bag or bag to tank or whatever, location to location. So they, they change. They go through many people before they get to you. And so just because of that, um, and this is generally what happens. There are local breeders that will supply a pet store and you'll have much less problems that way. Um, but because of all that rotation, I, I generally think when you get fish, it, it behooves you to at least quarantine with observation, if not to prophylactically medicate. Um, and that would include the rosy reds. But so, so yeah, they, so in that case, they will defend a little patch and attract females kind of like cichlids. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of natives that do that. Chewy LTD. Just like soft water can affect Rift Lake cichlid coloration and sizes of spawns. Oh yeah, it goes both ways. Uh, fish that have developed in hard water are going to do better in that as far as spawning goes. Yep. Terry's Tropical Tanks, if you want to use my pick of your thread fins as a thumbnail, you're more than welcome. Awesome. I'll do that. That's great. Um, in fact, I'm going to show that off if you don't mind. Um, I'm assuming you don't mind since you just said I could use it. So, um, wow. Um, there we go. So let me show people this. This is awesome. If I can find it here, Terry's. 
tropical tinks. I've been trying to get this pitcher forever. And Terry finally got it and just shared it with me. <laughs> Threadfin rainbows are one of the prettiest fish ever. Um, oh, can I find it? Oh, I don't know. I'm, okay, I'm not going to be able to do that right now. But they're one of the prettiest fish ever, but it's hard to get a picture of them doing their courting uh, kind of display. Or their, it's not even courting. Sometimes it's territorial, but their, their display. Because they, they rapidly vibrate their fins. It's like a hummingbird fluttering its wings. It's super rapid. And they're quick little fish. And so I've never got a good picture of it. But I was thrilled I sent Terry a batch of uh, threadfin rainbows a while ago and was uh, rewarded with a beautiful picture of that rainbow just yesterday. So I'm glad they're doing well for you, first of all, Terry. And thanks for sharing that picture. It's beautiful. Otter Creeks Aquatics, can you talk <clears throat> about the effects of water softeners on tanks? Ooh, Ooh that's uh, a good start. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even know the effects on tanks. I say don't do it. Um, now, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the water softener in your house that uses salt? That's what I leap to. I, There's I also that so. like salty resin pad that you used to, do you know what I'm talking about? It, it was this resin pad for ion oh, exchange. yes, I remember that. You that. keep in salt water yes. to charge and then you <clears> put it in your tank. It supposedly would suck the hardness <clears> out and yep, put it, it back would. in the salt. So. Yep. You could recharge it on a, on a salt water brine. That was the first thing I tried <clears throat> when I was in my teens and Good read grief. that I needed soft water for fish. And I yo-yoed that sucker so yep. bad and it killed everything. Yep. But I, I remember having a couple of those in like a hang-on bag filter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I said, yo-yo. It's just chasing your tail. It's chasing parameters too hard. Now, let's say... so we're. So basically, your in-house water softener is going to create some water that's going to be tough on your fish because it's using salt as an exchange. And my understanding is the salt, the water that's going to come off of that is pretty salty and gross, right? That's why there's a bypass for drinking water. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. It, it all depends on how they're set up um, because I've certainly drank off of plenty of taps around the area that have softeners right to the tap and oh, and it was drink bad. it. Um, so uh, you maybe definitely uh, taste a strong remineralization. Oh shift, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So since no one, hardly anyone uses water softeners in our area unless they're on a well or something. So we're not the most versed in that. But let's assume that what Otter Creek is talking about here isn't like your in-house big old salty water softener, but it's talking about RODI or anything like that, like softening water. Um, Otter Creek. Personally, I would not worry about softening my water unless I had an RODI unit or I guess, shut me down if this is horrible, but like distilled water that I could buy from the store and remineralize. Um, there might be a reason not to do that that Pistol might know. But the reason I say that is any, then you can take that water, mix it, mineralize it to what you want so it has some buffering capacity before you put it in your aquarium yep. and that's the way to do it the way to not do it is to try putting products in your tank to try to do it in your tank that's that's how not to do it because what ends up happening 
um, again, until I moved to Wyoming in 2011, I, I had very hard water wherever I lived. And I was always trying to soften it because I liked breeding species that I read had to have soft water. And early on, I would use all these products and just end up damaging my fish so bad. So that's my thoughts. I'm sure you can follow up on it. Uh, that sounds good to me. I, uh, the only thing that I wanted to point out is sometimes distilled waters available at the store because of waters want to absorb anything and consume anything it comes in contact with if the distiller themselves are using a copper tube to catch the water through it'll absorb copper it will absorb copper you'll have a copper level mm -hmm. i've heard of people killing reef tanks yeah it's hell on uh, inverts yeah they don't they don't take it at all mm -hmm. um and I, I've never experienced it firsthand. I don't know what kind of parts per million you'd end up with copper, but you wouldn't want a stable intake of it. That's for sure. Okay, cool. So Otter, um, from your question, we answered what we think it means. If you're asking something different, let us know and we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Small Fry Aquatics says, no one else is going to ask, how did Pistol get his name? That's a good question. Because <laughs> Lance wasn't violent enough. Right, exactly. Lance <laughs> is my given name. Uh, my dad's nickname given to him before World War II was Pistol. And everybody called me Little Pistol. Uh, and it just stuck. I outgrew him in, when I was probably in the seventh grade. And, and I never got called Little Pistol anymore. <laughs> And you're uh, you're from this area originally, right? Mm -hmm. You grew up in Dayton or Ranchester? Dayton or? and Ranchester area. Which Parkman is just is down where the street. I was located, yeah. Okay, same area. Everyone yep. from their shops at the away. same Walmart here. Yep. Um, so, yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. In Wyoming, I've met Pistols. I've met Butches. I've met um, a lot of Cody's. I've met, you know, all, all the kind of Old West kind of names. They're still here. Yeah. Like, it's, it's still thriving. And it's not a gimmick either. Like... So I'm, I'm from, a lot, I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles and there, there were a lot of gimmicky people, right? Where they might dress a certain way to call attention for themselves because it helped them get work or whatever in the entertainment industry. Um, when I moved here, one of the first people I saw was Butch, who looks like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> oh, Butch Jealous. Yeah, yeah. Butch, yeah. Butch Jealous. Actually and, does impressions of Buffalo Bill. For, yeah, yeah. yeah. And dresses like that. And my first thing was like, oh, this Joker. But I got to know Butch. It's not an act. No. This is who he is. This is his culture. This is how he was raised. And so we still have a lot of that here. Um, which coming from like a super liberal big city in, in California, it's it's I've learned a lot about people. <laughs> um, okay. Chat's jumping. Oh, did we miss a super chat? We totally missed it. Big bucks. Sorry about missing your super chat. Thanks so much. I think you explained what I needed. Just looking to bring in some quantities of different species for resale. All right, cool. Um, yeah, Linda Olson took care of me and she's a great place to start. She's in Denver though. If you're in Atlanta, there's people there. There's people all over in different cities that have airports where they're able to bring in live animals is from other countries. Not every airport can do it, but basically you need, you need a customs office and a fish and game office. Um, all right. 
It totally jumped on me. Where are we? There we are. Tristan. Hey, Tristan. Good to see you. Currently catching out another batch of the hyphen swordtails. Booyah. I had them in a holding tank. Um, now I've had another batch of fry. Tristan, I'm so glad. Cool. Uh, so the saga of the hyphen cauliflower red-eyed red hyphen swordtails for Tristan has been a long winding one. And I'm just thrilled that after all that time and patience, uh, finally has a couple spawns to show for it. That's awesome. I actually got a batch yesterday or the day before, but they were all born dead. They were all stillborn. So they're, they're tricky little SOPs. <laughs> they're hard. But Tristan, that makes me happy. I, I really hope you can get a nice batch going, get a colony going, and then uh, help us get them established in the United States. So we can, right now I have to bring them in from China, and I don't want to do that. I would like us to have our own established uh, source here in the, in the United States, have them be around. They're so beautiful. In fact, I like them so much that I got another batch from China this week, and I'm super nervous about them. They're a very expensive fish. I have to drop a ton of money on them anytime I get them. And they came in, and I'm hoping that they recover okay. But um, I've had this happen before where there was a batch that came in and just didn't do well. Usually they do, but every now and then a bash comes in and for some reason, I have no idea. I think this one's actually from a different supplier because uh, the dorsal fin looks very different than the other batches, but you've had luck and I can't wait to see those babies growing up. Please post, <laughs> I'll be like grandma, please post pictures <laughs> <laughs> on the Get Gills Facebook group. If you could post pictures every now and then, that would be awesome. Rena Mar, Linda is excellent at answering any questions about transshipping critters. Yeah, okay, you've had good luck too. Yeah, she's she's great. Joy's Aquatics, and and by the way, I know other people that have used Linda Tran and liked her as well. I just <coughs> I just don't have a lot of experience with her. Hi, at everyone. Well, hi at Joy's Aquatics. It's a joy to have you, Joy. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. I should have not. Yeah, sometimes you try too hard. Yeah. Chewy LTD. Use of water softeners add salinity to the water. Yeah, it is how to basically take out the minerals and replaces it with salt. Yeah, it exchanges. That's my understanding as well. Recharge that pillow. You're just introducing yeah. a more saline state to, mm -hmm. to uh, suck it back out of that pillow. Yep. Yep. Anyone else have blurry video or is it my TV? Okay, it's fine for other people. Good. Cool. Bearded Bob's Fish Room. What's up, Fish Tube? Well, what's up, Bearded Bob? Glad to have you meet Mustachioed Pistol. <laughs> Chewy LTD. A good transshipper in Canada is April's Aquarium. Cool. I know that there's lots of folks in Canada who are desperate to get fish. It seems to be really hard to do there, so might be good to check out April. Um, Kayla's Aquatics, any new fish coming in? Yeah, I got a bunch of uh, stuff this week. Um, most of it is repeat stuff that I'm low on stock in. I, I actually had a tragedy this week, which is I ordered a bunch of fish from a wholesaler I don't usually buy from. Uh, and it included some really neat licorice gouramis. Um, it included some samurai gouramis, um, some peacock gudgeons. And uh, some Colombian barb or tetras, sorry, not <laughs> those barbs from Colombia, some Colombian tetras um, that they just threw in the box. And it was gonna, it, it, 
it was sent UPS next day. So usually that goes out in the afternoon from Florida and it arrives here in the morning. Um, there was really bad weather. We had snow yesterday. That's where we're at here in Wyoming. Um, or this morning. Woke up to snow this morning. Yep, snow this um, morning. Anyway, the plane couldn't land. And it was that was Friday. And so it sat in Idaho. Because it couldn't land in Billings, so it got rerouted to Idaho. It sat there. I called UPS trying to get the box to me. They, they wouldn't bring it Saturday. They wouldn't. They just wouldn't. Um, so... Saturday, Sunday, finally got here Monday, and it was just, it was a big loss. So, I mean, they got super cold. It came from Florida. There was no heat pack in the box because it's hot in Florida right now. And that's usually okay because it's usually just one night. Uh, and I get them the next morning, bright and early. But yeah, so that was really sad. So I tried to get a bunch of stuff, but it didn't quite work. So I ordered from another company and I got some, uh, what I get? I got the the red eyed red hyphen sword tails. Um, I got a really cool Emperor Tetra. It's not your normal one. It's a high blue. I wonder if I can find a picture. This is a cool fish. Blue. It's really blue. Let me see if I can. Here it is. These guys. Wow. So I got some of these. Let's. Oh, trying to show you. There we are. It just super high blue. Um, in fact, Michael Wilson brought my attention to these fish. Thank you so much, Michael. Um, I wouldn't have got them otherwise because there's super king blue tetra, right? I mean, there's in this industry, they call stuff all kinds of names to get it to sale, to sale, <laughs> to sell. But um, yeah, so once Michael told me how cool that fish was, I went ahead and got them. Um, what else did I got? I got some more chocolate gouramis. I got, hang on, I've got a list. Uh, here we go. This will be, this will be easier. Hot off the pack. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, so the blue Emperor Tetras, uh, Praycox Rainbows. Already talked about the Swordtails. Oh, I got Pearl gouramis. Okay. This might be a bad move on my part because they're so common. And most of you can buy them at your local fish store. But pearl gouramis are my favorite of the kind of uh, industry standard gouramis. Uh, opalines, blues, golds, dwarfs, sunsets, all those. Uh, pearls are my favorite. They're just so gorgeous and so beautiful. And I've wanted them for a long time. And every week they're on the list. And every week I'm like, oh, I can't do that. They won't sell well. But I got them. Um, and my thought is I'm almost out of rainbow or angel fish in this aquarium. They're selling really well. And so I think the next thing I'll do is put a bunch of pro gouramis in here. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, a lot of people like angel fish because of the thin compact fish with the elegant, uh, pelvic fins and all that, but you can have issues with aggression with angel fish. And so I, I want to show, uh, in this tank, pro gouramis as a substitute or something you could do instead of angelfish, you won't have the aggression problems. You'll have beautiful color, a peaceful attitude, and a hardy fish that has kind of the same body form. It's not exactly the same, but they have a lot of the things that people like about angelfish. So I went ahead and got them mostly because I just love them. Um, and some more Gymnogeophagus balzani. Yeah, so that's what I got in. 
Um, I tried to get in some Bolivian rams, some hoplo cats, the bubble nesting catfish from South America. Uh, those were shorted. I tried to get in some uh, peppermint pike gouramis and a couple kinds of killifish. But that's what came in. So in a couple weeks, hopefully that stuff will be available. I made an unboxing video. I just haven't got it done yet. So I did Chase Kleinstecker's uh, interview or fish room tour, which I'm not just saying this because I want people to watch my videos. I really think it's an important video and people should watch it. Uh, this guy is in his 80s. He's been a master breeder for more decades than most of us have like had hot breakfasts. And um, it's, it's worth watching what he does and learning from the guy. Um, but now I've got to do the other fish room tours and stuff and pet store tours I did while I was in Grand Rapids. And so I've got to get all that done first. But thanks, Kevin, for asking. Uh, Bob, I appreciate it. For fun RC, he wants a dance fish in front of your uh, comments and questions. Here it is. Just went out of this the top one. Of your, uh, one more. Got it. Talking about the distilled cool. water. For fun RC, thanks, Bob, for bringing this to our attention. Distilled water is okay if you don't have any money for an RODI unit, then you can remineralize. Believe it or not, Walmart has great distilled water, really. Cool. Yeah, it's worth a try, although I would say if you have inverts, uh, maybe do a test in a small container with an invert first to make sure it hasn't absorbed the copper. Get a ghost um, shrimp. Yeah, throw a ghost <laughs> shrimp in there, see how it does. Yeah, <clears throat> something like that. But for fish only, uh, very small amounts of copper uh, are probably going to be more, well, I don't know long term. I use copper frequently as a medication and it doesn't harm my fish, but it is toxic to fish in, in high enough or consistent enough quantities. It's a heavy metal that they absorb and I don't think they ever eject. So it can accumulate. But if you have a source of, of distilled water and you know it doesn't have a copper issue, you could also just test for copper. <laughs> um, copper test or then, then yeah, go for it. Otter Creek following up. Yes, in-house water softener. We have one and I haven't been using it because don't know effects on my tanks, but my fiance wants to run it because the water hardness when we shower and line build up. Yeah. So, I mean, is there any way to have a, a shutoff? Yeah. Bypass where bypass. you can use it in the house, but not in your tank. So how would you plumb something like that? Just go, uh, like a lot of times you'll have a post or a pre-particulate before uh, even a carbon sometimes. It's all laid out different, but if you can have a, a T in there and a shutoff valve, just like you have overhead over here, mm -hmm. so that you have a bypass to draw water off prior to that water softener. So for Otter Creek, who doesn't know what we have back here, oh, yeah. it's basically, <laughs> if, if my finger here is your normal house water going through, is that, then what would you do? Just put a T in. If uh, if the water direction is going that way toward the water there. softener, you put a you T in a there. You put a T on there before mm -hmm. it hits the water softener. Yep. And you would run that to wherever you want it in your house mm -hmm. to uh, collect your water for your tanks from. And by the way, these days with um, with the shark bite and PEX pipes and everything, it's super so easy, fast. super it's easy to do stuff like that. You can get a, a cutting tool if you have copper galvanized. 
<laughs> I, I still this is an old house. Oh, I still man. have a little bit of old galvanized that drips occasionally. But um, <laughs> wash your head there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, for eight bucks, you can get a cutting tool that'll take care of that. And then for I don't know, uh, this would be like an under twenty five dollar solution, I think, all told. Except for the crimping tool, you need to borrow that. That's pricey. Uh, the tool you use to like attach the pecs uh, with the, I forget what it's called. The little crimping tool. Yeah, with the, the go, no go. Yeah, all that. <laughs> so besides that, it's like a $25 solution or so. But yeah, so you just tap off your line before it hits the water softener. Um, and then you can use that for your fish. I don't know if you're able to do that, but it might be an option. Then the rest of the house can have the soft water or, or the softened, but salty water. <laughs> Chewy LTD, a good transshipper. Okay, I already read that one. Um, oh, wow, we jumped. Okay, so for fun RC, hopefully we got that comment. Yeah, just it's okay to use distilled water. Just beware of copper. Medina Cichlids, do you still have a pair of Empire Gudgeons available? I have three available, and I think one's a male. Um, I'm not quite sure. I'll say this. There's three available. Um, Medina, if you want them, uh, send me an email, and since there's just three left, I'll make you a deal. I'll I'll sell you three at the price of two or something like that. That way, if you don't end up with the pair, there's a consolation prize. But I do think one of them's a male. He's still a little bit small, though. Um, it's hard to tell, though, until they color up. You know, there's a lot of fish that I can tell the males are really easy when they're colored up and fully developed. But when they're not, it's hard to tell for sure if it's a male because... Um, I think it's a male or I think it's a female, but it could be just an immature male. So um, Medina, if you're interested in a pair, I can get you three for the price of a pair just because I just have three left. And I think you'll end up with a trio, but you got to understand, I don't know that for sure. So you'd be taking some risk with that. Tree LTD, do you find it hard to get female garamis? Um, it depends. If you're talking about like dwarf garamis, it used to be really hard. But now there's actually, they actually sell them as female dwarf garamis. So you can get just females. Um, one of the issues we sometimes have is that, you know, a lot of the sellers, they, the exporters, they're trying to sell fish with a lot of color. Because if you're in a pet store and you want a pretty fish for your tank, like the general public who doesn't come to live streams and stuff like this, but the majority of people that just have a pretty tank in their house and don't go nuts with it, don't have MTS, um, they see a pretty fish, they're like, oh, I want that in my tank. So a lot of the, and this isn't everyone by any means, but it has been an issue where they'll pump them full of hormones. And so even the females develop the bright color. Um, and so oftentimes you don't know if they're males or juiced females, um, or juiced males. But there, there is a way to get just female dwarf garamis. It's really only kind of the dwarf garami type that has that issue. All the other garamis, I feel like you can get both sexes pretty easily. So you can get female garamis, but I think I have to order like 100 or 200 of them at a time. And I've thought about doing it 
but they aren't, they're just normal female dwarf gouramis. Um, if they were like the steel blues or something like that, then I might do it because they make a nice fish in a community and they're a nice color. Um, all right, let's see if we have one for you here, Pistol. See anything that jumps out for you? Timberlake Aquatics and more. <laughs> little mystery there. How much do you think the blue tetra will sell for? I have no idea because I don't, I just got it and I don't remember. Um, hang on. Yeah, I don't remember. They weren't as cheap as your normal Tetra. Um, it might have been nine, ten bucks, but that's just a guess. Just a guess. We'll blame it and on the jet lag. We'll blame it on the jet lag from a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next year, when I can't remember something, it'll be like, I, I took a trip last year. I'm jet lagged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it never goes away. So, um, <laughs> In also Timberlake Aquatics and more, I, I never know exactly how much a fish will cost until it's out of quarantine. Um, some fish are really hardy. They all do really well. I can sell the entire batch and they, they don't cost as much. Some fish um, I never sell because they never get healthy enough that I'm comfortable selling them. And some fish, like half the batch does really well and then some of them just never seem to fully recover from shipping so I sell half the batch. So if a whole batch does well, I can sell them cheaper. If only half of a batch does well, then I have to charge a little more because I have to recoup. Um, but what you're getting for that is a fish that is, you know, 99.7% healthy. Like that's the odds based on our shipping record and our feedback, something like that. Um, so sometimes they might be a little more, although I think my prices are pretty reasonable, but, um, if they ever are, it's because you're getting, if you're getting fish, it's, they're healthy, but there are fish that are really sensitive and, uh, don't do as well. And I might charge more for them because by the time you've got them, I've sat on them for a couple months sometimes they've been through some medicines and then they've maybe been six weeks just getting them fat and getting them healthy and being confident that they're going to do well for you. So I don't know what that is until I actually go to sell them. If there's a lot of losses, then it, they could be more expensive. Um, and, and by the way, not other, some other folks uh, will charge more for fish just knowing that you're going to have losses and they're gonna have to refund them, you or going to have to replace them and stuff. Uh, I try to absorb all that risk before I send you the fish or as much as possible. Um, okay, where are we at? Down here, Medina. Killers Aquatics, I love that vid, learn so much. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, check out the uh, Chase Kleinstecker video. It really, it was released yesterday and I'm not just saying it because I want everyone to watch all my vids all the time. I'm saying it because it's it's an important video. Medina Cichlids, love your unboxing videos. Most information, more, most, <laughs> hang on, hang on. <laughs> you want to read that one, Pistol? We already used the jet lag excuse, so. Um, were you here with Chewy? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> At Dan's Fish, love your unboxing videos. Most informative and entertaining as well. Looking forward to seeing them. You read that one, right? Thanks, Medina. Mm, I yeah. tried to. 
<laughs> I couldn't get through it. 65 watching, 64. Oh, I say that, it goes down. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for being here. If you're just joining us, this is Pistol Abbott. Um, he's joined the Dance Fish team. He helps me pack fish and get them to you um, safely. So if you're getting fish from us, this guy has sealed them up for you. Almost always. Chewy, do you find it hard to get fish? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I jumped on you. It jumped. I'm not, oh my gosh, in a U chewy. Here's another chewy. Distilled water for cardinal tetras is quite bad, as well as fish have little resistance to medications in general. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about using pure distilled water. I want to make that clear. We're talking about using distilled water as a starting point and then remineralizing or whatever you need to do and making sure it's stable <laughs> before it goes in your tank. Um, People ask me all the time, what do you use to ship fish? And it's, it's just dechlorinated tap water. I add some salt and add some prime. But the important thing is it's been circulated for 12 to 24 hours before you use it. So anytime you're going to add new water to your tank, especially if it's a large volume, yes, I know you've probably gotten away. I'm not talking about you, Chewy. I know you in general, the royal you, I don't know, have gotten away with doing this a lot, but it, but one time you're going to do it and it's going to bite you in the butt. Large water change, fresh out of the tap, um, that's uh, that's risky. You really want to circulate it and stuff for a while before you put it in your tank to make sure it's stable before you put it in. So, yeah, distilled water, uh, we're talking about using as a starting point and then doing stuff to it before it goes in your tank. Um, that's what I'm talking about. You okay there? You got the bad chair. You're back okay? It's letting me know it's there, that's for sure. Um, here, sometimes if you scoot it back and just sit on the edge, would that be better? Or? Yeah, that's about the point uh, okay. I'm about to get to. We can switch if you yeah, want. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pistol's about to go old man on us with his, <laughs> with his back in his chair. Um, all right. Rena Mar, most Home Depot or Lowe's will rent the tools to complete the work if you aren't out... And you're not a good chunk of change for the tool. Yeah, for the shark bite um, stuff for doing PEX plumbing. It really, Otter Creek, I mean, it's scary when you think of doing plumbing. I was terrified, but um, I did this whole room almost by myself. Pistol helped me on a couple things, like uh, installing my sprinkler system uh, brain to the, to the uh, wiring that all up and everything to the solenoid valves and all that. But apart from that and a couple other things, with pecs and shark bite and stuff, it made it so that even someone like me could do it. Yeah, you actually bought that tool in the old fish room. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've got that tool because I knew I'd use it forever. Yep. Yeah. Sakana Katana. I love the name. Sakana Katana. Um, I'm about to stock a 20 gallon long with 8 to 10 Sudamuga Luminatus. They're beautiful. It would be a good bottom dweller to live with them. I've got some ideas. Do you have any ideas? Okay. Nope. So. I've got a tank right now and I love it. It's Pseudomugil Luminatus. And then on the bottom, there's rosy loaches. And in the middle are the um, Bororis Brigitte, the chili rasboras. It's, I, I love that tank. So something like that would be good. Um, the, the Luminatus are going to stay mostly at the surface, or at least the upper levels. Uh, of the tank and they're going to feed a lot once the food falls down below say the top third of the aquarium so i feed they eat there 
and then the Barraras eat in the middle, and then the Rosy Loaches eat off the, excuse me, off the bottom. So that's working really well. Other options are any corridor is really almost. Um, Maybe some of the really large, large species of quarries would be big enough to bug a, a Luminatus, but probably not. So almost any corridors. I'm especially thinking of the dwarf species, uh, Habrosus, Histatus, Pygmaeus, things like that. Um, what else would go well? Something that Anything that's small and peaceful and doesn't want to be at the top all of the time, basically. Oh, the Dario species would be great. Um, Dario Dario. Um, or the black tiger Dario, um, which I have, a, uh, let me brag just a second. Let me show you these black tiger Dario. These are looking fantastic and they're doing well for me. I did have one loss, but I think it was a fluke because everything else, all the others have been good for a long time. But this fish right here uh, is a Dario species and, and would do pretty well. They're, they're really gorgeous. Something like that. Um, what else would kind of stay on the bottom? All right, hive mind. What else is small, peaceful, and would kind of be in the middle or bottom? Wouldn't really go up to the top um, that I'm not thinking about right now. There's there's so many. Um, a lot of corridors. Yeah, a lot of the corridors. So much for fun. sure. Um, oh, zip to the surface. Something else that would I think be awesome if uh, it would be small wild type bettas would probably be good. Um, no, no, the, no big bettas with a large mouth, <laughs> but uh, the Rubra and Chinoides don't get a large mouth. They're pretty small and peaceful. Um, the Cochina would be awesome or a bed of Brownorum. Anything in that complex, Persephone, stuff like that would be fantastic. Um, chocolate Garamis would be great. Chocolate Garamis can grow to about two inches, but they have a tiny little mouth. Uh, and they're going to want to feed more on the bottom in midwater. Um, samurai garamis would be awesome too. Gobies, little small gobies, little uh, rhinogobius get a decent sized mouth on them, but something like a stiffodon goby or other stuff like that would be great. So that's just just spitballing off the top of my uh, head there. That's what I'm thinking of. Has, has anyone else here? Candy made it. Candy overhauls, welcome. I'm glad you made it. Um, is anyone else? I haven't seen anything. No. Okay, cool. Me. We totally missed another super chat. G Cunningham, that chase vid was something special. Thank you for filming that. You're welcome. And, uh, I mean, chase did all the work. <laughs> so you're welcome. And chase, thank you for having us and sharing your knowledge. And by the way, he's got a website, chases fishes. If you're wanting to learn how to spawn fish, He's dropping all his knowledge for free on that website. Chase's Fishes. Let me bring it up real quick. This is worth it. Chase'sFishes.net, not .com. He has a .com too, but that's about fishing, like sport fishing, catching walleye. Um, but this is his website. Three by five computer. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's in his 80s, and he's been collecting. Every time he spawns a fish, he makes his notes on on like this wow. recipe card thing, and then he's turning all those into articles. So let's look here. So if you want to breed uh, Celestial Pearl Danios, here you go. Here's Celestial Pearl Danios. He does a description of them. He shows you how to breed them and he talks about how to raise the fry. Um, let's try another one. Drapefin Barb, one of my favorites. So here's the Drapefin Barb. He talks about them. 
Okay, I don't know what conditions and sensitivity are, but it's information. I'm sure it's good. How to breed them, how to raise the fry. Look at all these species. Wow. The guys bred over 570 species and kept really good notes on them. Bunch of cichlids, catfish, bunch of stuff. Um, general stuff. So this is a website. It's all for free. He's just a dude that's been doing it forever and wants other people to enjoy it too. And so he's saying, here's what I know. It's all for free there. So check it out. It's, it's an amazing resource. And by the way, he's that one section I showed where nothing dropped down. That's because he just hasn't got to it yet. He's, he's, you know, adding to it all the time. And uh, I think it's like something he's bound and determined to get done, but it's a, it's a big process. So he's got a lot on there and more has been added all the time. Check it out though, chasesfishes.net. Or if you're into fishing with a, a fishing pool, chasesfishes.com. All right, David Jenkins, have you ever heard of an Arowana Tetra? Freshwater Exotics did an unboxing and had them. Have you heard of this fish? Arowana Tetra. No, I have not. Okay. Well, Bluegrass has it, which means I know a wholesaler that brings it in because I know where they get their fish. Uh... All right. Monster Fish Keepers. Wow. No, I don't know anything about this fish other than it looks like it has a, a real business end. Yeah. Wow, cool. Got some big shoes to fill. No, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm going to leave that window up and look at it more later. I always love it when, uh, like the, uh, what was the other one the other day? The uh, That Tetra with the long flowing fins that uh, has internal fertilization. I, I forget the name, but that thing blew my mind. I'm looking for those now. So thanks for bringing those to my attention. That's awesome. I've never heard of them before, to be honest. Medina Cichlids. Appreciate offering the tree of Empire Gudgeons at the low price of two super cool fish. Yeah, um, you'll just have a better chance of getting a pair that way. <laughs> and I only have three. So yeah, send me an email. We'll hook you up. Sakana Katana, what's the hardest fish to catch in your fish room? Oh, it's here. It's going to be a couple. There's a couple different ones. Um, do you want to switch? No, I'm <laughs> let's so if it's a planted decorated tank it's probably like clown barbs because they're smart or odessa barbs yeah those little suckers because they they'll <laughs> go behind stuff and hide yeah. the moment you go there they'll go somewhere else and hide um they're hard to catch i have to use fish traps like when i had a bunch in here to get them out i used a, a fish trap or i couldn't have done it um this this right here actual minnow it's, trap it's a minnow trap right and you, you put it together i mean there's okay so i have several pieces here but it's like that they swim in they can't get out because i got so sick of trying to catch those guys i was like no i just put that in and came back a couple hours later and they were all in it so that's how i <laughs> that's how i got those um i think in general though the hardest fish to catch is a hill stream loach and it's not because they're hard to get the net over them, but they suck so hard to the glass or whatever that I'm always worried about injuring them. So I'm always super careful with them. And sometimes they let go and fall into the net and sometimes they just don't. 
So, so the best way to get those is put in some PVC pipe. Hopefully a few of them go into the pipe. You reach in, you cap the ends of the pipe. Where's the camera? There it is. And you pull them out and, and hold them over the net until they go into the net. Um, but those are, those are the hardest. Hillstream loaches. Yep, that's what I'm going with. Just, I mean, you could just tear them off into the net and stuff, and then they'd be easy to catch. But the goal is to, uh, you know, not hurt the fish. So if you're careful about it, it takes a long time. Lumpy Doug, a horde of coolie loaches. Yeah, coolie loaches could be super hard to catch too. I, I mean, you got to put them, I don't know if that's what you were talking about, Lumpy Dog, but that's what I'm thinking of. You got to do the pipe trick with them too, or something they can go into and you just take them out and dump them in the net or you'll never catch them. Cheshire Cat, oh, they've also, they've also got that shape. They're so easy to like smash in the middle, a coolie loach. Yeah, you got to, you got to catch them in a pipe or a cave first. Cheshire Cat, I got more platy fry a few days ago. Cool. Some look really cool, and there's some so heavily spotted they're almost solid black. That sounds awesome. Others look gold and spotted like the mother. Yeah, that's great. Holy cow, look at that. Woo! Look at that, Pistol. $49.99 from Kayla's Aquatics. Thanks, Bob. Good stream. Got a dash. Thanks, Dan and Pistol. You're welcome. Thanks, Bob, for everything you do. Thanks for being an awesome mod, and thanks for that fancy super chat. Appreciate you, brother. Have a good night wherever you're dashing to. All right. Here. Down here. Yep. There we are. Um, so Cheshire Cat got her platy fry. And I, I know you're having some trouble with some of your fish. I hope that's resolving, Cheshire Cat. Hopefully they were just really pregnant. Sakana Katana, thanks for the suggestions. Expect an order from me in a couple of weeks. Well, I would be thrilled to have that order. Thank you. And, you know, you can always email me if you're wondering if uh, any fish I have will go well with any fish you're looking for. I'm happy to help with that. If there's something you see specifically that you're interested in. Cheshire Cat, the father was probably a storefish. Yeah, if, <laughs> if they were in the tank together for more than five minutes, well, five seconds, Moved about nine fry to a container. Then a few hours later, find six more in the <laughs> tank. Now I have two tanks and three tub containers of fish. You want to tell them about your platy infestation? Like you, you can't get rid of. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, I, I don't even remember. Oh, I think I, my wife picked up some platies in Billings, Montana, and brought them home. Was going to put them in her uh, forty-five gallon tall at her work, and. All of a sudden, she had more and more and more, and she asked me to come get some, and I took them home, and I think I have tripled that now. <laughs> They've got a heavy uh, root network of, of uh, water sprite to hang out in, and they do things that fish do in water quite regularly. <laughs> very, things that fish do in yeah, water. Yeah, very resilient <laughs> fish that make a person feel like a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you're having trouble in this hobby, get you some platies. They'll, you'll have success. Yeah. yeah. But glad to hear that Cheshire Cat. I'm glad you have some fry. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Candy, thank you for posting my email, dan at dancefish.com for those that need to get a hold of me. Chewy, has Pistol ever thought about breeding marine fish and what would he like to breed? Oh my gosh. No, that's a little bit above my pay scale there. Um, 
overly excited, uh, what was it, two years ago when the first few hauls of yellow tangs started coming out, uh, domestic bred. And the last news that I saw was the blue hippo tang was the, the dory fish mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was uh, domestically bred quite successfully. That's a lot of work that I don't have time for right now. It'd be fun to do it sometime, but not right now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those most of those marine fish are, they target the food. You have to figure out what they're eating and then culture that. And yeah. You aren't breeding fish, you're culturing food for fish. <laughs> yeah. Says the guy that knows nothing about it. That's my understanding. Rena Mar, do platys do well outdoor in outdoor tubs over the summer? Yeah, um, absolutely. A lot of people keep them out there. They can take very oddest platys at least. So some platys, more than others, are from more temperate zones. Uh, very oddest platys are from a more temperate zone, and so they can take it a little cooler. So you can put them out in the tub, you know, earlier in the year, and they can stay a little later in the fall because they can take it. The temperatures down low so a lot of people depending on where you're at in the nation start uh start their ponds this weekend is when they would start and bring them in at what labor day um so yeah various plies tend to do well depending on where you live in my opinion the best way to do an outdoor tub or pond if you can is to bury it at least halfway in the dirt yep. and um have it somewhere where it doesn't get direct sunlight or doesn't get a lot of direct sunlight or only gets it for a couple hours in the morning, something like that. Um, and that's to prevent it from overheating, basically. So if you can bury it halfway in the soil, it's just going to help keep that temperature constant and help not have those really high fluctuations. Now, there are a lot of fish, and platys are one of them, that are probably going to be fine. But if you have a small summer tub and it's the wrong color or in the wrong spot, it can really cook. So just be just be careful of that. Cheshire Cat, my female betta has been having a fun time chasing the fry. <laughs> I bet she loves those fry. I left in the tank. She seems well enough fed that she's not thinking snack time, but more like who wants to play. All right. <laughs> Hopefully playtime doesn't turn into snack time. But yeah. Um, it's nice though for a betta to get some stimulation like that. Uh, I think bettas often want that. And so I'm glad that, that she has it. Chewy, what Marine book would pistol recommend? I am very familiar with Albert J. Thiel. Rest, Rest in peace. peace. I don't know. It, most of my interaction into the hobby anymore, um, education wise is directly with people who are who I look up to uh, Julian Sprung is an idol for me uh, anything that he says I pretty much take it to the bank um, man's really dedicated his life to it so as far as book is concerned I don't know I, I haven't seen anything that's real up to date uh, for a long time everything that I've come across is very dated and i don't recommend it. Yeah, the saltwater, I mean, there's still tidbits, but saltwater, especially the equipment and the, um, all the technology around and stuff has just progressed so much. Yeah. Um, most in the lighting. I mean, 
mean, the yeah. LED and LEP has really come around. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody's doing the plasma, but the LEDs have made a big difference. Yeah, so I feel like that's, so I love books. And my fish godfather is Jim Forche, who owns the Aquatic Bookshop, um, which you could Google and buy many, many, many different aquarium books there. He specializes in them. He has forever. Um, and he, he knows a lot of the people and has collected lots of original letters and paraphernalia from uh, famous ichthyologists and collectors and fish namers and identifiers and stuff like that. But um, so I really like books. I kind of grew up surrounded by fish books. But with in this day of social media, it's so easy to contact experts. And most of them I've found are open Frame your questions well, um, you know, go in with, here's what I'm working on, here's my plan, here's what I need to know, so that they have the information to really give a response that's meaningful. But if you frame your questions well, I can't remember the last time someone has just like blown me off. Well, sometimes they don't respond, but is had an issue with that. Usually they'll respond and help out. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, the people that were writing the books, now we have direct access to. So I'm not saying the books are dead, but it's, uh, and there's still publications like uh, Amazonas for fresh, I know this question was saltwater, but for freshwater that is very, I feel like, uh, full of, it's full of information that that is useful and, and, and challenges people that have been in the hobby for a long time and is accessible to folks that are just starting in the hobby. So there are a few, but in general, I feel like uh, with social media and stuff, we just contact people directly more or less. Um, of course, the challenge yeah. is finding out who is a reliable person to ask your questions to, because there's so much misinformation. So instead of the problem of we can't get information, now the problem is there's too much information. How do you weed out and vet what information is actually useful? But um, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. That's what I've experienced. Absolutely. Last one, and then we'll shut this down so Pistol can go get a back massage. <laughs> Terry's Tropical Tanks. I sent the Threadfin pic to your email. Awesome. Um, hey, okay, this, let me see if I can share this. This picture really is fantastic. Um, where is, <laughs> hang on, there we go. Cool. Thanks, Terry. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to show this to people. Check this out. This is the picture that Terry took of one of the, the thread nice. fins that I sent him. It That just makes my heart sing. Like, that made my day. Uh, I work really hard to try to get people healthy fish and make it so they're successful with them long term. And when I get a picture like that and I'm like, yeah, it happened, it makes what we do. Because, I mean... There's many things I'd rather be doing with my life than spending hours like crimping corners of plastic bags. Okay, that gets old. Um, or, you know, just throwing a bunch of fish in a bag, sealing it up and sending it would be so much easier. So when I see stuff like that, it really makes me be like, okay, this is worth it. That's cool. We'll keep doing it. So thanks so much, Terry. What's that? Uh, Rena Mars. Oh, go ahead. Her, mm -hmm. She has breeding pair of percula female is over 20 and she lays regularly oh the clownfish mm -hmm. so cool Rena Mara, this is worth i have a breeding pair of how do you see that percula yeah 
clowns. The female's over 20, 20 years, I assume, and she lays regularly. I haven't pulled eggs because of the craziness of dealing with the larva. Wow, they can breed at 20 years old, if I'm understanding that right. That's crazy. I don't know the life expectancy on them. Well, it's... I know my uh, saddle clown I've had for, gosh, 10 years. Jeez. Uh, you know, a lot of times they do have a real good life expectancy on them. Man, so getting a clownfish is like getting a tortoise. I mean, the freshwater <laughs> yeah. world, when we're dealing with small tropical fish, often if you get a a small live bear to last over two, three years, mm -hmm. you're feeling pretty good. Some of the yeah. Tetris, five years or more, but um, 20 years, that's that would be exceptional for any freshwater fish that I can think of off the top of my head. Besides, like, okay, koi. Gold, you know, I get that, but yeah, you know, besides those, well, um, we'll do one more Cheshire and then we're out. Yeah, she'll chase and hunt. This is the female betta enjoying the patty, patty, the platy fry, <laughs> but she doesn't chase or hunt them down. She seems to like just scaring them. It's been fun watching her interact with them. The fly, the fry disagree, I'm sure. Yeah. Cool, well, I'm glad it's working out. Hey, everybody, thanks for being here. Um, Pistol, thanks, thanks for, for the taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. It's good to have you here. But again, for those that came later, this is Pistol Abbott. He's the guy helping pack all the fish at dancefish.com. Um, I mean, he and I do it together, but he's the guy that's literally putting air in the bag, sealing the bag, double bagging it, and then uh, and then I put it in the box from there. So if, if there's something wrong, let's blame this. No, I'm joking. Uh, but I mean... One reason I really like working with Pistol is because he really cares. He's he's a hobbyist at heart. And so for us, we get joy out of you guys having success. So when we do a month and have one DOA that we know of the entire month, that like gives us fuel to keep doing it. So um, anyway, thanks everyone that purchases from dancefish.com or that lists at getgills.com. We appreciate that. That's what pays our bills. So thank you. Um, anyone in the chat that... Uh, Gave a super chat. Thanks to all my amazing moderators. Thank you. Anyone here that commented interesting stuff that kept this live stream lively and fun. Thank you. We, it'd be awful boring if you guys didn't have questions and comments and stuff. For those of you that answered other questions in the chat and helped people out, thanks. And all you lurkers, I'm with you. Um, until next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Thanks again. We're out and Pistol's go going to go um, take care of his back because I gave him the bad chair. I didn't mean to do that to you. <laughs> all right. See you all. Bye-bye.